I told you we'd get one more in before Christmas. You know, I'm like that last-minute gift shopper that comes through, which is exactly what I'll be doing when I'm finished recording today. Uh, hopefully, this is what you need to get that All I Want for Christmas song out of your head. Uh, but actually, okay, so now that I mentioned it, you're probably thinking of it. You probably hear that song right now. That's called the power of suggestion. That's how that works. I say something, and your brain gives you a visual. Visual. Not visual. Okay, not to get too political here, but picture this. Biden plucking a hair off Trump's butt. There it is, in your head. The power of suggestion. All right, what a weird way to start a podcast, and probably not the best time to ask this, but please be sure to give this a good rating wherever you're listening, be it MySpace, Grinder, Apple, Spotify, uh, if you like it, that is. Or give it a bad rating if you can't get that disturbing image out of your head. Anyways, welcome to episode number Who Gives a Shit of the Valley Boys. I am your host, Dave Weasel. Let's get this over with. So, I couldn't sleep again last night. Okay? A little groggy today. Not feeling it. Pounding back a couple energy drinks. Um... Last night, I decide, uh, you know, hey, let's read some Shirley Jackson stories on my phone because apparently I thought what was good for insomnia is a dose of creepy tales from a woman who could turn a, a, a sunny day into a scene straight out of a horror movie. She's one creepy beef. And yes, I read books on my phone. And for some reason, some people have a strong opinion of that, you know, like, like, like pineapple on pizza. But seriously, what is the big deal reading books on my phone? Okay. It's like, do you, do you still listen to music on CDs? In today's world, or or a, or an eight-track player, or a record player, no, right? You use your phone, like a person living in the twenty-first century. Okay, so to the purists out there, clutching onto your uh, physical books and and vinyl records, maybe go shit in your hands and clap. There is going to be, I know it. There's going to be one person who comes out and is like, "Well, actually, I only listen to music on CD or vinyl." And it's like, "Okay, fantastic." What do you do? Drive around with a portable record player in your car? Oh, sorry, I can't take that freeway. There's too many bumps. It'll make my record skip. Could you imagine? That's like social suicide. It's worse than wearing a fedora in 2012. Okay? Picture this. You're on a date. Things are going well. And your date uh, afterwards gets in your car and you go, okay, sorry, but you have to sit with this record player on your lap. All right? Congratulations. You've just ensured that the night ends with a firm handshake and a quick exit. You know? That's the kind of move that guarantees they go into their place without you. And you're going home alone to kick your own balls around. So take that with a grain of salt, what I have to say. Okay, this is coming from a guy who uh, thought reading Shirley Jackson at 2 a.m. would help me sleep. And I wore a fedora in 2012. And I just said, go home alone to kick your own balls around. So what do I know? I did see that the other day, um, uh, someone wearing a fedora. And I thought, how retro. You know, and we just did a, uh, a whole bit about 2012 on the last episode and all my mistakes back then. So, you know, 2012, that was I had a brief fedora fiasco phase. You know, uh, I talked about that before. It was a horrible time where wearing a fedora kind of intersected with another bad choice of having a chin strap beard and a child legitimately mistook me for a leprechaun. You'll have to go and dig, dig up that old episode. I explained the whole story there. Um but yeah, that was 2012, a year that should have been more about the world ending than me voluntarily wearing a hat that says, I own a Katana collection. Not that I did, but the hat says that. You know, if I could hop into a time machine, I'd zip back to 2012, slap that fedora off past me's head, and be like, okay, no, you're not allowed to do that. And when past me goes, uh, why? I just lay it on him straight. It's like, because you're going to remember this. That's why. Or better yet, I should say, because you've had sex before. And honestly, it's a miracle that my love life didn't completely flatline after that. Even to this day, as a 
dark part of my past coming back to haunt me. Wearing a fedora is like wearing a chastity belt. You know, let's go back to the date scenario. So um, in, in today's world, wearing a fedora of the past, you know, you're, you're geared up for a hot date. Leads in and uh, he goes, uh, hey, how about we take this back to my place? And the girl, she squints all suspiciously and goes, okay, hold up. Have you ever donned a fedora? <laughs> like it's a fucking STD, you know? And that's when, the, that's when the sweating starts, you know? It's like that, that one friend that everybody's got, the one who thinks it's a good idea to lie about not having herpes, you know? You do the same thing. You'd lie about not wearing a fedora. I'd just be all innocent and, uh, fedora? <laughs> not me, no way. But inside, of course, I'm like, dude, I knew I rocked that hat disaster for a solid two months in 2012, but it was just a phase, you know? And then she'd be like, hmm, I don't know. Are you sure? And you can't lie at that point, you know, if you're cornered, sweating bullets, you got to confess. It's like, okay, yes, yes, I wore a fedora once for a couple of months in 2012, but it was just a phase. And then she'd be like, yeah, sorry, that's a no-go. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> she'd be like, but I do have a friend that came in contact with a fedora wearer. <laughs> Maybe I can give you her number. Wow, what an allegory. Well, there it is. My love life reduced to a fedora support group. Thanks, 2012 me. Thanks a lot. What else? It just says fat fuck. Oh yeah. Okay. So Starbucks. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of these ads with potentially tasty Starbucks drinks. You know, um, the it, it kind of feels like a twisted love letter to our collective sweet tooth masquerading as a seasonal menu. All right, it's the holiday season, and there's Starbucks. They're gleefully unveiling their holiday drinks like some kind of festive Willy Wonka, and there's me, a self-proclaimed expert of all things sugary and delicious. You know. I'm drawn to these concoctions like a, like a moth to a flame. They're just like, okay, here's a cookie and coffee form. Come and get it, you fat fuck. <laughs> it's like they actually say that. Um, and there I am, you know, a well-trained pavilion dog, already in line, wallet in hand. It's like they know our innermost desires, those calorie-laden, syrup-infused, whipped cream top fantasies. And they exploit them mercilessly. You know, they're not just selling me a coffee. They're peddling sweet, sweet sit in a cup. And I'm all too eager to partake. You know, and it's not even good. That's the thing. These drinks are not even good. I'm just fat. You know, and then the next day, I see another one. You know, a different flavor, beckoning me back with the promise of a gingerbread, gingerbread flavor temptation. Come back tomorrow for the gingerbread one, tubby. <laughs> it's like a culinary, it's like a culinary carnival barker, you know, bringing me back under the the big top of festive flavors. I can almost hear the Starbucks baristas, those unsuspecting foot soldiers in the war against my waistline, chanting in unison, step right up, you fat fucking piece of shit, and try our latest calorie... <laughs> calorie bomb, and I'm gonna do it! That's the problem. Is every single flavor, I gotta try them all. You know? Because fat. Whatever. You know what they got at Starbucks too are those um, the notes for employees. I don't, I haven't seen them at, at all of them, but the one I went to, they have a little section where you can write a note and stick it in a cup to a specific employee. And I feel like that's a well-intentioned gesture, but that could spiral into a catastrophe straight out of a sitcom. You know, imagine a barista, you know, bleary-eyed from crafting endless, an endless stream of peppermint mochas for us fat fucks. And she reads a note that says, thanks for all your hard work. Keep up the good cheer, you know. But in a caffeine-fueled delirium, it reads more like a passive-aggressive jab, you know. Oh, thanks for the hard work. Oh, keep up that cheer. <laughs> keep smiling even if it's fake. I don't know. I feel like that's a minefield of misinterpretation. It's just a bunch of errors waiting to happen. It's where every thank you is a potential fuck you in disguise. Or, or it's some creepy pervert. 
Let's be real. That probably happens all the time. How many of those notes are just a phone number? And don't text it because you'll never be seen again. Man, speaking of retro holiday controversy, okay, remember um, when Starbucks was daring to wish everyone happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas? Oh, the horror. You know, it's like they've thrown a grenade into the culture war with every non-denominational greeting acting as a, as a trigger for the far-right outrage machine. They're erasing Christmas as if a coffee chain holds the power to cancel one of the biggest holidays in the world. It's a tempest in a teapot, or more fittingly, a storm in a teacup. You know, every well-meaning holiday, um, every well-meaning holiday wish is a potential political statement. You know, it's a battleground for, for someone who's constantly offended. It's weird. It's ridiculous, and yet, it's so quintessentially Starbucks, always brewing up a little bit of controversy along with their holiday cheer. I actually haven't heard anything about that this year. Maybe those people, those far-right radical Christians, maybe they realized they didn't win the war on Christmas because there was no war to begin with. And now a word from our sponsor, Factor. So, you're running around like a headless turkey this holiday season, trying to juggle shopping, wrapping, and probably avoiding your in-laws. But in the chaos, you gotta eat, right? And it's not just any grub, but something that doesn't make you feel like a stuffed stocking after. Enter Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. They're like culinary Santas, but instead of toys, they deliver delicious, dietitian approved meals right to your doorstep. Picture this. It's the holidays. You're busier than an elf on Christmas Eve, and the last thing you want to do is play Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen. Well, cross meal prepping off your list, my friends. With Factor, you say goodbye to planning, shopping, chopping, and all that cleanup that's about as fun as untangling Christmas lights. These meals are fresh, never frozen, and ready faster than you could sing Jingle Bells. We're talking gourmet food in just two minutes. Just heat and eat and feel like you've got your own personal chef. And hey, it's a season of indulgence, but that doesn't mean your meals have to be naughtier than nice. Whether you're all about calorie smart or diving into the vegan and veggie pool or pumping up with Protein Plus, Factor's got over 35 chef-crafted meals each week. They're like little gifts of health and taste without the guilt of holiday sweets. Oh, and speaking of guilt, want to keep it light over the Christmas holidays but crave flavor? Check out Factor's calorie smart meals. They're like a Christmas miracle. Big on taste, small on calories. And for those looking to bulk up like Santa, go for the Protein Plus meals. They pack more protein than Rudolph's got stamina. But wait, there's more. Factor isn't just about dinner. They've got you covered any time of the day with over 55 add-ons. We're talking quick breakfast, lunch on the go, snacks faster than you could say how, 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 and even cold-pressed juices and smoothies. Oh, it's like a Christmas buffet at your fingertips. Now here's the tinsel on the tree. Choosing Factor means you're making sustainable choices. They offset all their delivery emissions and use 100% renewable electricity. So you're not just treating yourself, you're giving Mother Earth a little holiday gift too. So this December, let Factor take the helm of your holiday meals. Enjoy eating well, minus the hassle. Just choose your meals and voila, fresh flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in two minutes with zero prep and no mess. It's like Christmas came early for your taste buds. Check out Factor and turn your holiday meal game up a notch. Head to factormeals.com slash valleyboys50 and use code valleyboys50 to get 50% off. That's code valleyboys50 at factormeals.com slash valleyboys50 to get 50% off. Oh, Anyways, I've been watching Hard Knocks lately. It's um, kind of a reality show. It's in season about the Miami Dolphins. It's a place where coaches with their veins popping out like giant dicks try to trick 
try to use every trick in the book to motivate their players. All right, you've got a, you've got these coaches who have, who've probably seen Remember the Titans too many times, um, gathering their teams, a group of guys who've already made it big in the game. All right, and he's pacing back and forth trying to ignite a fire in their bellies, and he drops out like, he drops the jab. Pretend the other guy is going after your mother, you know, and they're all just sitting there bored, doodling, going on Instagram. You know, it's like these players, they're not high school kids anymore. They don't get hyped up on these kinds of pep talks, you know? They're pros. They've seen it all. They've heard it all. They're more worried about contract negotiations and uh, endorsement deals. They're thinking about their brand, you know, their next Instagram post, not some hypothetical threat to their mom. So, whatever, the coach, he senses he's losing them, kind of switches tactics. He leans in and he goes, that guy over there is stopping you from getting 17 for a coach next year instead of 16. No, he didn't actually say that. But that would be a language they understand. You know, forget mom. It's like, get those stats up for your next contract and endorsement deal. I know it's not all about the money. These guys love the game. I, I just think that they're uh, they're not falling for the same tricks anymore. You know, they're, um, you know, the Miami Dolphins, they got Tyreek Hill. They're, they're doing a good job showing what an absolute beast this is. And the dude just got married and they talked about it on the show. Literally two weeks ago this happened. Uh, but since then... Apparently, right after he ties the knot, not one, not two, but three new baby mamas come out of the woodwork, all seeking paternity tests. That's potentially bringing his count of little hills to a total of seven. He, he might have seven kids right now. I mean, that's some weird, unexpected post-wedding developments. And uh, with all this personal drama unfolding, it's no wonder Hill hasn't been seen so much on the field lately. Seems like he's been a little too occupied with his off-field activities to make those touchdowns. You know, maybe he's trying to make his own team. Ah, uh, okay, so another another sports thing. Um, have you heard about this? Uh, Shohei Otani, the two-way super, superstar of baseball, just inked a deal for $700 million, okay, with the Dodgers. I mean... Let's take a moment to let that number sink in. $700 million. That's not just money. That's monopoly money. That's a I own boardwalk and park place with hotels on both kind of money. You know, and there I am feeling accomplished when I, when I find a $20 bill in my old jeans. But let's talk, about, uh, let's talk about Otani for a second. The guy pitches. He hits. He probably makes a mean cappuccino. He does it all. And for $700 million, I sure hope he does. At that price, I'd expect him to not only hit home runs, but also come to my house and cook dinner and walk the... French Bulldog. You know, for $700 million, Otani should be, he should be playing baseball, basketball, and doing my taxes. And you know, this kind of money just changes the game. Like, quite literally. When, when uh, Remember when kids used to say, like, I want to be an astronaut when I grow up. Forget space. Now it's all about hitting dangers and throwing 100 mile per hour fastballs. You know, parents are going to be at Little League Games whispering, that's my kid. He's going to buy a yacht someday. But imagine the pressure on Otani, though. Every time he steps up to the plate or the mound, it's like, no pressure, um, no pressure, Shohei. But just remember, you're playing for the GDP of a small country. And imagine it's, uh, imagine what it's like going out to dinner with a guy. Like, who's picking up the tab? It's always good to be, oh, Otani's got it. He's good for it. He just signed a $700 million contract. But you know what? That's insane. The contract is, um, it's like something out of a sports fantasy, you know? It's a... It's the kind of thing where if you told me this a few years ago, I'd be like, what are you smoking and can I have some? Because that's not a salary. That's a treasure chest. It's the kind of money that doesn't just talk. It screams from the rooftops.
and then buys the rooftops and then builds a luxury condo on top of it. So whatever, you know, here's to Shohei Otani, baseball's newest half-billionaire, and then some. I hope he hits one out of the park. And if it's not too much trouble, maybe stop by and help uh, with everybody's student loans. No, I'm kidding. That's not anybody's problem. And you know what, just to, just to put this all into perspective, I have no problem with professional athletes making that kind of money, you know? If you want to talk about the, the philosophy of it, you know, that nobody should be making that kind of money, okay, that's a point. I mean, I can get on board with that. Um, but when you hear about athletes signing these contracts, um, I got to say, I'm all for it. Because these athletes, they're the ones generating this astronomical amount of money. You know, it's not like they're just finding bags of cash on the side of the road. They're at the center of a multi-billion dollar industry. Every home run, touchdown, or three-pointer is making, is making the cash registers sing. And it's not just ticket sales. It's merchandise, advertising, broadcasting rights. These guys are walking, talking, dunking gold mines. You know, so when we say nobody should make that kind of money, that's a separate philosophical conversation. You know, what we're really saying is that we're uncomfortable with the absurd amount of wealth generated in professional sports. But if this money is, is, is being made because millions of people are willing to pay to watch these athletes play, then who better to reap the rewards than the athletes themselves, you know? They're not just pocketing a significant share. Guess where it goes? Yeah, it goes to, if, if, they didn't, if they didn't take that money, it would go to the guy who's got enough yachts to start his own Navy and buy a sports team, you know? These players have a limited window to earn in the first place. You know? They're doing it by entertaining millions of people, putting their bodies and future health on the line. It's a high-stakes, high-reward scenario. So while philosophically, we might balk at the idea of uh, anyone earning that much, and pragmatically, that makes sense. If a colossal amount of wealth is being generated, to me, it's only fair that a substantial portion goes to the people who are actually creating it. And in this case, the athletes. You know, maybe in an ideal world, nobody would make that kind of money. But as long as fans are filling the stands, uh, tuning in from home, buying jerseys, and living and breathing every moment of the game, it's, it's, the revenue is going to be there. And that revenue should go to the people who are generating it. That's what I'm saying. Like, if one million people wanted to pay one dollar to watch me play Yahtzee, I would want a good portion of that. I would want half a million dollars, at least. You know, I understand that somebody else is setting up the... The ability for a million people to watch me play Yahtzee. You know, or, or how about this? Um, my old band, Senor Dinosaur, um, you know, we were doing essentially the same job as, who was a big Canadian band at the time? Nickelback. Okay, should Senior Dinosaur get paid the same as Nickelback for doing the same job? No. <laughs> That's more about a different type of sports scenario. All right. Okay, let's do the headlines. Uh, you guys seem to like that last time. Give me a second here. Okay. Grandparents mistakenly buy $10,000 worth of Disney Plus gift cards instead of Disney Parks for family trip. Okay. I mean, at the rate Disney Plus is hiking their prices, they've basically secured a subscription until the end of next year, if they're lucky. But let's talk about the actual cost of a Disney trip, okay? So with $10,000, what can you even get at Disneyland? Admission and maybe a churro for each of the 16 family members, again, if you're lucky. It's like, it's like walking into a fancy restaurant and realizing all you can afford is the complimentary bread. It's like, here kids, enjoy the Magic Kingdom, but don't look at those Mickey ears, we're on a churro budget. But you know what? I'm not shocked. Navigating modern technology could be a, a, a minefield for the older generation. It's like... 
It's like watching someone try to solve a Rubik's Cube while wearing oven mitts. You know, in these days, scammers are asking for payment in gift cards, which is confusing enough. I'm scared to death my own parents might fall for it. You know, they get a text saying, hey, log into your Amazon account and change your password. And the next thing you know, there's a scammer over ordering 17 blenders and a life-size cardboard cutout of Danny DeVito on my parents' tab. But thankfully, in this Disney saga, the grandparents were able to convert that mountain of streaming service gift cards into Disneyland gift cards. Or Disney World, whatever. Crisis averted, you know? The grandkids are going to the happiest place on Earth instead of binge-watching The Mandalorian. It's a happy ending, you know? It's worthy of a Disney movie. Complete with a moral. Always double-check your gift card purchases. Or you might end up funding Mickey Mouse's retirement instead of meeting him. But that was in Florida. So it's Disney... It's Disney World, not Disneyland. But I'm assuming it's just as bad as there as it is at, at Disneyland here in California. Whatever. Okay, speaking of Florida, here's the next one. Florida man arrested for quitting job in the middle of transporting prison inmates. I mean, only in Florida, right? Where else does a work resignation involve a high-stakes prison transport? Okay, so you're a Florida man. Probably name something like Randy or Dale, and you're just driving a bus full of inmates. Another day at the office. Except your office is a fortified vehicle filled with people who aren't exactly thrilled to be there. And then it hits you, you know? Maybe while passing a, a, a scenic swamp or a, or a particularly inspiring billboard for alligator wrestling. That this job isn't for you. Most people would wait until they're uh, back at the office to hand in their resignation. Maybe write a strongly worded email or leave a note on their boss's desk at least. But not Florida man. No, he decides to pull over and just quit. Right there on the spot. He's like, you know what? I'm done. This is my stop. But could you imagine being one of the inmates? You know, one, one minute you're on your way back to prison contemplating the questionable choices that have led you to this situation. And the next, your driver is just walking off into the sunset. It's like, sir, is this part of the new rehabilitation program? Are we supposed to self-transport now? And of course, Florida man gets arrested for this. Because quitting your job in such a dramatic fashion is one thing. But doing it while responsible for a busload of inmates is like adding a dash of criminal seasoning to your job exit strategy. It's like, I'm not just quitting. I'm quitting with a side of felony. But in the end, it's just another day in the life of Florida, man. You know, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. And resignations apparently come with handcuffs. It's a kind of story that makes you wonder, what exactly is in the water down there in Florida? Okay, next one. Ooh, hold on to your Santa hats because this one's a real Christmas nutcracker. Risk of pedal fractures rises at Christmas, doctors find. That's right. Just when you thought the holiday hazards were limited to burnt turkeys and tangled fairy lights, it turns out there's a yuletide risk that nobody's caroling about. So, what's behind this festive spike in, let's say, uh, less the jolly injuries? Well, my guess is Christmas isn't just about the season of giving, it's the season of getting frisky you know what i mean like it, it seems like not everyone's skilled in the bedroom as they are in wrapping presents okay uh, first of all you got married couples you know the ones who schedule their 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 intimate moments like they're penciling in a dentist appointment you know once a year if the stars align the kids are asleep the in-laws are distracted by liquor spiked eggnog uh they seize their annual opportunity for some marital merriment but you know with such a long off season it's no wonder the comeback game can be a little bit hard then of course there's the uh infamous christmas party you know a breeding ground for bad decisions and bad dance moves after one too many of these spiked eggnogs colleagues suddenly find themselves under the mistletoe you know 
embarking in on a clumsy tangle of that's more twister than dirty dancing. It's all fun and games until someone ends up with a holiday injury that definitely wasn't on their Christmas list. You know, so between the 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 once a year romantics and the and the office party hookups, um, it kind of turns a season of peace and and goodwill into a time of caution and anatomical concern. So you know, while while you're out decking the halls and jingling your bells, remember some bells are more delicate than others. Be careful out there. Okay, the last thing anybody wants is their holiday cheer turning into a New Year's hospital visit. We got any more? We got a couple more. Unhappy meal. <laughs> Unhappy meal. Crack pipe found in food bag leads to closure of a McDonald's restaurant. Okay. Okay. It's not every day that your Happy Meal comes with a side of Breaking Bad. You know, it's like, would you like fries with that or just a quick trip to rehab? Okay, let's say you're a regular Joe driving through for a, for a McFlurry. And the next thing you know, you're auditioning for a spot on Cops. Imagine if you get pulled over. Sir, can you explain why there's a crack pipe next to your chicken nuggets? He's like, well... Officer, I did ask for extra seasoning, but this isn't what I had in mind. You know, and then there's the the poor employee putting it all together. It's like, all right, let's see. Big Mac, fries, apple pie, and oat bobs, crack pipe. Better make sure that gets in there. It's like a new McDonald's game, you know? That Monopoly one. Hide the crack pipe. Ronald McDonald is out there thinking like, I was supposed to be the only clown associated with this place. You've got to wonder, though, what kind of toy is supposed to be in that meal, you know? Congrats, Timmy. Instead of a toy car, you get a journey through the criminal justice system. It's the kind of surprise that makes finding an onion ring in your fries look like child's play. Oh, and the customer discovering it, that must have been priceless, you know? It's like, hmm, I don't remember ordering the meth meal. Is that new? Well, suddenly, their biggest worry is in the calories. It's, it's explaining that to the cops without sounding like you're pitching a, a, a sitcom pilot. So they go ahead and they close down that whole McDonald's restaurant because... You know, nothing says we might like have uh, we might have a problem quite like fast food doubling as a front for the wire. You know, I guess it gives a whole meaning to the do you want to supersize that? Now it's do you want to scandalize that? This has to be the most action a McDonald's ba- bag has seen since someone found a winning Monopoly piece. You know, when you hear someone say I'm loving it, they might not be talking about the fries. Okay, last one and then we'll wrap this shit up. Okay, St. Louis cops crash SUV through the wall of a gay bar that immediately arrests the owners. Okay, bit of an ad lib there. Let's tackle this headline. Um, I've heard I've heard of cops going undercover, but this is more like uh, going under a wall, and not just any wall, but the wall of a gay bar. Now, it's like they're, they're they were playing a live action version of Grand Theft Auto. Okay, it's like okay, GTA Six is coming out soon. Let's get some practice in. The scene must have been, um, it must have been something out of an action movie. Now imagine if you're sitting there enjoying a drink and suddenly it's too fast, too furious. The St. Louis drift right in your face. And then, as if crashing an SUV into the bar isn't enough, the cops arrest the bar owners. And it's like, you know, what's the charge? A legal decoration of a police vehicle with a wall? You know, and there's always a twist in this. The judge handling the case, apparently a staunch Baptist, orders the bar owner to jail because, you know, in this judge's book, the real crime here isn't turning a bar into a drive through It's about who's inside the bar. You know, I'm not trying to get all woke on you, but she's probably thinking you might be victims of uh, property destruction and reckless endangerment. But let's talk about the real sin here, being gay. So here we are in a world where crashing through a wall isn't the issue. It's who you're crashing into. It's like the cops are playing the game of who can be the most outrageous, and the judge decided to join in with a high score. 
The whole situation sounds like, again, a, a, another badly written sitcom pilot. Um, you know, in this episode, the cops crash a party, literally, and the bar owner's probably sitting there wondering if they accidentally walked onto this movie set. It's like, is this a new reality show? Extreme police makeovers? But the message seems to be, if you're going to be, if you're going to dramatically enter a bar in St. Louis, make sure it's in a way that pleases the, the local judge. Because apparently in some places, crashing through a wall is more acceptable than who you serve beer to. And again, I'm not trying to get all woke here, but whatever. We're about to hit 2024. The headlines are more confusing and the justice system is, well, even more so. All right, let's cut it off there. Um, make sure you follow us online. I am at Dave Weasel across the board. I need to point this out every single time. I did not buy my blue checkmark. That shit is lame. I have it back on Twitter for some reason, but if you tap the blue checkmark itself, it says that I've been verified since 2016, so don't come at me with that shit. Uh, we are at Valley Boys Pod on Twitter, at Valley Boys Podcast on Instagram, and TikTok for some reason. All right. Um, this will be the last one probably for the year. I probably won't come at you next week. Um I don't know what to say. Uh, not Merry Christmas. Not Happy Holidays. How about this? Bah humbug. From Merceda, California. Good night. And now a word from our sponsor, Pretty Litter. All right. Let's talk about the unsung hero of cat ownership, Kitty Litter. Specifically, Pretty Litter. Now, I'm no Dr. Doolittle, but when it comes to my cats doing the happy dance, that is a good day. The problem is... Cats are more mysterious than a magician's hat. You never know what's going on in their fuzzy little brains. That's where Pretty Litter swings in like a superhero. First off, this stuff is like the Navy Seals of Litter. It traps odor faster than you could say, stinky cat bathroom. I mean, we've all been there, right? Your cat does its business and suddenly your place smells like a porta potty at a punk rock music festival. But with Pretty Litter, it's more like your cat just little fancy little cat candle in there. Now let's talk differences. If traditional litter is a clunky old car, Pretty Litter is a sleek, shiny sports car. This stuff has ultra-absorbent crystals. We're talking less mess, less dust. It's the litter equivalent of a spotless kitchen after a five-course meal. And these magic crystals last up to a month. That means less scooping, less trudging through the trash, and doing more time doing whatever you want with your life. But here's the magic. Pretty Litter changes colors. Now, I'm not talking mood ring changes here. I'm talking health detective. It's like having a mini cat doctor in your litter box, giving you the heads up on potential health issues like urinary tract infections or kidney shenanigans. It's peace of mind in a bag of litter. Because let's be honest, our cats are, they're like little fluffy enigmas and we need all the help we can get. And to top it off, a pretty litter gets delivered right to my door. No more hauling giant containers of litter around that announce to the world, yes, I own a cat, and yes, it drops dumps. This stuff is light, easy, and space-saving. It's like having litter on tap without the bulky keg. So there you have it. Pretty litter making life easier, homes fresher, and giving us cat owners a little insight into the mysterious world of our feline friends. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as I do. Go to prettylitter.com slash valleyboys and use code valleyboys to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash valleyboys. Use code valleyboys to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash valleyboys. Code valleyboys. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.